Welcome to this sermon from Silver Lake Baptist Church. Our mission is to celebrate the greatness of God with all we are for the joy, hope, and renewal of our community. We are so glad you have chosen to listen to our message. We pray you will be blessed by your time with us today. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm really grateful for today and just uh, thanking God for the praise and worship team. I really feel ministered upon. Amen. Singing about his grace. It's all about his grace. It's nothing about us. It's all about him. Amen. Amen. It's what he's done for us. We could not pay the price no matter what we did. We were too far away. I love the verse that says that he has separated our sins and iniquity as far as the east is from the west. <laughs> I don't know how far east and west is, <laughs> but I just know it's too far. And I really thank God for, for that. Thank you, President Worship, for ministering to us uh, that way today. I had a few slides. I don't know whether they're in there. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm saying West Track. <laughs> All right. But that's okay. <laughs> yeah, last time I spoke at Silver Lake was during summer. And we were all outside there. I had a two-hour sermon that day. But because it was too hot <laughs> and the wind was blowing away all my notes, I lost half my notes, so I didn't speak for two hours. I thank God for today. Because there's no wind, and I have a tablet, okay? <laughs> so I hope you brought some snacks. It's going to be two hours. <laughs> I bring you greetings from Nema Community Church. We meet in this particular place at 4 p.m. And uh, my wife and the church are really grateful for an opportunity to be part and parcel of this wonderful family of Silver Lake and uh, just to be allowed an opportunity to serve together with you. It's a, it's a joy. It's a, it's a blessing. Amen? Amen? I also want to take this time to wish a belated Happy Men's International Day to all these men that are not appreciated at home. Amen? So, if somebody didn't wish you happy men's, happy men's Day, I'm wishing that to you. Happy belated Men's Day. Amen. You know, it's funny there are two celebrations on, this, on that particular day, uh, November 19th. It is World's Men's International Day. And guess what? It's also World's Toilet Day. <laughs> I don't know why. It must be a bunch of women who came up with those days, right? <laughs> it's your day, but it's also the toilet's day. <laughs> but I also want particularly today to wish husbands happy International Men's Day. You know, you take a beating so many times, right? But two days ago was your day to just celebrate and be yourself. 
I was thinking about today's sermon today. We're talking about heroes of faith. And this is a sermon that really spoke to my life in September. Between August and September, our church was going through talking about Hebrews 11 and the whole fame of faith and uh, the men and women that are renowned for their faith. And before we read the verse that uh, and, the pas- and the passage we are going to read today, I was just thinking about so many things that, for especially husbands, that your wife and God do not agree. <laughs> there are few things that your wife and God will never see eye to eye, like how to spend that tax return. <laughs> that will be a trouble until that we agree on. Or maybe what is going to happen this Thursday, if you are going to invite that crazy brother of yours to the Thanksgiving. (laughs) Those are a few things that your wife and God might not really agree to. But I have news for you today. There is one thing, after my extensive research, that I realized God and your wife are on the same page. And that's what I'm going to speak about today. So I'm going to be invited back again. Amen? And I won't get lightning hitting me from this pulpit today. You will agree with me and wives will agree with me that the one thing that wives and wives and God agree on is that men ought to be faithful. Especially husbands. Ought to be faithful. And we're going to talk about the faith of men and women of God. And this sermon that uh, we did in September was about Noah and his example of faith. And the Bible has great adventures of how ordinary men did extraordinary things after they encountered a supernatural God and chose to believe in him. And the same opportunity they had is the same opportunity we have today of encountering a supernatural God and choosing, above all odds, to believe in who he is and what he says. And and one such example is Noah. And I want us to stand as we read the passage, if you can. We are going to look at Noah's journey of faith. And if you can stand with me, we're going to read Genesis chapter 1, chapter 6, verse 1 to 9. If you're able to stand, I'll appreciate it in honor of God's word. So we are introduced to a passage that has two extremes. An extreme whereby there is great wickedness in the world, but also there is Great grace by God. Thank God for his grace. Where we encounter wickedness, but we also encounter God that is angry, but also pleased by one man. And what does God do in that situation? Let us read the passage. Now it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and the daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw that the daughters of men, that they were beautiful. 
So they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. There were giants on the earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of God came into the daughters of men and they bore children unto them. Those were the mighty men who were of old, men of, of renown. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was little. <laughs> the wickedness of man. I'm trying to be Pastor James. Amen. <laughs> I'm learning from the best. That the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth. And, that he, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man, whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping things and birds of the air. And I am sorry that I have made them. Thank God for verse 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah pleased God. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generation, and Noah walked with God. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for the reading of your word. We pray that this morning will speak to us, even as you will, on this subject of faith and the example that Noah set for us today. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may have your seat. I want us to look at the journey that was Noah's, the faith journey that Noah had. If we would have a dialogue with Noah today, if he was our preacher this morning, what would Noah tell us about his journey of faith? And I suggest to us that Noah would highlight four stages about his journey of faith that I believe are stages that probably we are in. Either you are in one stage or the other, or you are in different stages depending with many things that are in your life. And Noah will talk to us about these four stages, I believe, that marked his journey of faith. And the first thing Noah will tell us is that faith starts with a relationship with God. That's where it starts. Noah will tell us that faith is a close walk with God. That, that's where it starts. For no one can come to him unless he believes that he is because without faith we cannot please God. That, it is, that is where it starts. Verse 9 of what we've read, Genesis chapter 6 says, Noah was a just man, perfect in his generation. And mark this, Noah walked 
with God. He had a close walk with God. Now, chapter 6, verse 1 to 5, describes the wickedness of the world at that time. You know, we won't be diverted today into discussing who are the sons of God. Were they sons of Seth? Were they fallen angelic beings? Were the Nephilims uh, offsprings of angels and daughters of men? We won't get into that. But what we agree is in verse 5, God saw that there was great wickedness. No matter what was happening between verse 1 and 4, when God looked at it, he saw great wickedness that was not ceasing but continuing. It was wickedness upon wickedness. Sounds to me like today. Sounds to me like what we are experiencing today, not only in America but all over the world. There is wickedness of every kind. Things unimaginable. You know, the Bible talks about it in Romans, that men will come up with ideas of wickedness. You know, in our minds, man has not only been wicked, but discovers new ways to be wicked. There is wickedness in crime. There is crime untold of every manner. There is injustice in places where they will be serving justice. Injustice is served. Where do we run to when the systems are broken? When politicians no longer keep their word and the church is on the same bed with these politicians? Where will we run to when the salt of the earth has no taste anymore? Where do we go to when there is ungodliness and partiality in places where you expect godliness and unity. There is great wickedness. I don't know about you, but every time you open that screen and you're looking at CNN or Fox, you don't see a lot of good news. There is tragedy after tragedy. A riot here, a protest, a protest over there, a killing over there, a bomb being dropped over here, a terrorist attack on the other side, a parent abandoning a child. It is wickedness all around us. That was what was happening in the days of Noah. But in the midst of not little wickedness, but great wickedness, there arose a man that pleased God. It is possible in a sea of wickedness for there to be a remnant like Noah who will stand and walk with God. And I believe I'm speaking to those remnants this morning that it does not matter how red the world is with sin. It does not matter how clouded the atmosphere looks. We can stand like Noah stood and walk with God. Noah feared God, but his world dreaded God. 
we have an opportunity to stand up and fear God enough to walk with him. That God would look at us like he did Noah and say, this person has found grace in my eyes. Though I am angry in verse 4, and I have vowed to destroy the world and mankind and beasts and every creeping thing and every bird of the air, but there stands a man between me and my wrath. And I am pleased by this man because he is just and he is perfect in his generation and he is walking with me. Brethren, it all starts with a relationship with God. I don't want to take it for granted that we are all in church and assume we all have a relationship with God. If you were to move your bed to the car garage tonight, you won't wake up being a Volvo or a Mercedes-Benz tomorrow morning. And so coming to church every day doesn't make you a believer. Doesn't make you a Christian. It's possible to come into the house of God daily and not have a close walk with him. I'm calling us into that close walk because in Noah's journey, if Noah was to talk to us this morning, he would say that's where it starts. It starts with walking with God. We cannot relate with God until we first walk with him in the salvation that he has freely given to us. Until we make that confession and believe in our heart and walk with him on a daily basis. Unless we do that, we've not started the walk of faith. It starts with a close walk with God. Religion will not do it. Being a Baptist will not do it. Your denomination won't save you. Your church membership won't save you. It is great, but not great enough. It won't do the job. A lot of sacrifices won't do it. Thank God for the sacrifices we do, but it's not enough. You have to make that conscious decision to walk with God. Because therein lies the power. In that starts that walk with God, therein lies the grace of God, the favor of God. Because you and him become partners when you start walking with him. But Noah will tell us more. Noah will say that's where it starts. That's not, that's not where it ends. Noah will say, after you start walking with God, faith is also steadfast obedience. Not just a relationship, but a reverence. Noah will tell us this morning that faith is unwavering obedience. Unwavering obedience. In Genesis chapter 6 verse 22, the Bible says, Thus Noah did, did what? According to all that God commanded him, so did he. 
It was unwavering. Noah did not decide, I'm going to walk with God on Monday, and on Tuesday I'm going to do it myself. And when I am on that road, and I have road rage, I'm going to be myself for a few minutes. And then I'm going to get to church and worship him. Noah decided it is all about God. I'm going to be steadfast. I'm going to be unwavering. Think of it. God was asking Noah to believe the impossible. The Bible records that before the times of Noah and the times of the flood, they had never seen rain. Whatever God was telling Noah is akin to God telling you today that's going to rain dollars tonight. There are going to be bills of dollars raining tonight. And God has called you to come tell the brethren to come with sacks and collect dollars. People look at you and, you know, check you into a Swedish hospital or Providence hospital. That's what God was telling Noah. That's going to be rain and not tomorrow, and not the next day, but in the foreseeable future, and doesn't give him a date. <laughs> he was telling Noah to believe the impossible. God is calling us to be unwavering in our obedience to him, even when he's telling us the impossible. It is easy on hindsight for us to say, well, rain is a normal occurrence, not in Noah's time. God was asking Noah to believe the impossible. God is telling you to believe today that he can move those mountains in your life. God is telling you to believe today that he can bring back that young person, that son, that teenager that is rebelling. God is telling you to believe today that he can bring back and deliver that loved one that is sold out to alcohol and drugs. Oh, but we've preached to him since he was a toddler. Yes, it is an impossible task, but God is calling you to a steadfast obedience in believing that. It is steadfast obedience. Our loved ones that are lost for many years can come back and follow this Christ that we profess. That sickness, that diagnosis, you can have a new report. Yes, I know what the doctor said. It is factual. But I have news for you. There is truth that is above fact. The truth is that he is the healer. The truth is that he, by his stripes, we were healed. Sickness cannot stand in his presence. He's calling you to believe that impossibility. Whatever Noah was asked to do, we are faced with the same questions today. Will you believe the impossible? And will you not just believe it on a Monday and waver on a Tuesday, but will you believe it steadfastly? Every day. Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him, so did he. Not some, but all that God commanded him.
Noah will tell us today that faith is unwavering obedience. But the story does not end there. Noah will also talk about his many years working with faith. Noah will talk about the daily grind. Noah will talk about the many years waiting on God. And Noah will say, there is what is called the tireless work of faith. And Noah will tell us today, if we're standing here, that faith is a lifelong project. It's not a quick dash. You don't start and finish on the same day. It is a rigorous hard work. It is not just a relationship or reverence. It is rigorous. It is a lifelong project. If you can, I want you to open Genesis chapter 5, verse 32. I want you to show you something. We're going to read two verses. Genesis chapter 5, verse 32. And then we'll read Genesis chapter 7, verse 11 and 12. This is what it says in Genesis chapter 5, verse 32. And Noah was 500, 500 years old. And Noah begot Shem, Ham, and Japheth. This verse is just one verse before Noah is sent on his project of building the ark. He is 500 years old. But in chapter 7, verse 12, verse 11, the Bible says, In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, a hundred years have gone by between chapter 5 and chapter 7. And on this 600th year of Noah's life, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep were broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened, and the rain was on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. Noah endured a century of working faith. <laughs> a hundred years of a project. Let me ask you something. How many of you have had a project for the, for, that lasted two years? I want to see a show of hands. Two years. <laughs> Five years. My goodness. Noah had a project that was a hundred years old. <laughs> now he could have given up after ten years I mean, I wouldn't blame him after 50 years of waiting if he said, you know what, I think I didn't hear God correctly. <laughs> Maybe I just ate a lot of, you know, the turkey was good that, uh, that Thanksgiving and I just had ideas. <laughs> you know how you are full and you start thinking ideas? No one would have said, I was there dreaming. No one would have said, God is not faithful. God is delaying in achieving what he told me he's going to achieve. But Noah understood that faith is not a quick dash. It is a lifelong project. Noah had a project longer than any of us have lived in this room. <laughs> Think of the oldest person probably in our room, Pastor Charles. Noah had a project that is older than him. 
It is a lifelong project. Faith is a lifelong project. James chapter 2 verse 18. James talks about the coming of Christ. And he says, but some will say, you, are, you have faith. No, not about the coming of Christ, I'm sorry. James chapter 2 verse 18. The Bible says, but some will say, you have faith. You have faith and have works. And James says, show me your faith without your works. And I will show you my faith by my works. Noah was not sitting down for a hundred days gazing and to see if the rain is going to come. Noah was working on the ark. Noah was designing this and designing the other. Bringing timber, hard work. Noah was doing all this hard work in faith. So our faith is not sitting around and gazing. We show our faith by being tireless, being rigorous, even as we wait on him, as we wait on his promise. We don't just sit by. We get doing what God has called us to do. If he said, go reach the world, if he said, give to the missionaries, we are doing that actively, faithfully, daily, tirelessly, even as we wait in his second coming. But lastly, Noah will tell us, I still have like two hours, right? Yeah. One and a half. <laughs> I just guess on that which and I realize I only have five minutes. <laughs> but fourthly, faith is about obtaining the promise. Faith is receiving the promise at the end. Noah did not give up. Genesis chapter 9 verse 1. So God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. There was life after the flood. The promise came. God, even though he seemed to tarry, he came through. What he had promised happened. His promises are yes and amen. When he says it will happen, though it tarries, it tarried for a hundred years for Noah, but it still came to pass. And Noah became the father of the new earth. And him and his sons and his wife became fruitful and multiplied and filled the earth. Second Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9 talks about what Christ has taken for us and what he has given to us. The great exchange. For you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, he was rich in everything. He was rich in peace. He was rich in joy. He was rich in everything. Every good and perfect gift is with him. Though he was rich in all that, Yet for our sakes, he became poor. He became the sin. He became that crime. He became that, weak, he became that great wickedness. He took it upon his flesh. The great exchange. Though he was rich, he became poor. That you, through his poverty, might become rich. He became the curse. Cursed is he that... Hangeth on the cross. He became the curse 
that me and you can become blessed. There is a great exchange. There is obtaining the promise. The promise, though it tarries, do not give up, brother. Do not give up, sister. Though it takes your whole lifetime, it shall surely come to pass. One of these days, in the by and by, <laughs> we shall meet him over there. And then everything that we've been singing about, like in a trance, we shall see it. And we shall know it. And we shall touch and know that he is real. And the Bible says, we shall know even as we are known. That day is coming where we will obtain the great promise of eternal life. Where we will see vividly our richness, our blessing. Where we will experience to the utmost that our poverty is taken away and our curse is taken away and we are co-heirs with Christ Jesus. That day is coming. Though it tarries, it will come to pass. And Noah received a sign in Genesis chapter 9 verse 12 to 17. He received a sign as a covenant, the rainbow. Verse 17 says, and God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh on the earth. The sign of our covenant is the cross of Jesus Christ. At that cross, we pass from death to life. At that cross, our sin, our iniquity, though great it was, was taken away. In that cross, the old was gone and the new came. On that cross, we received our everlasting life. On that cross, sin was purged. On that cross, we received the grace. On that cross, we received the promise. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you so much. We thank you for your word today. We thank you for speaking to us, even through the life of Noah. And my prayer tonight for my brothers and my sisters is that we will have that close walk with you. And that we will be unwavering in obedience. And that we will understand that the faith you've called us to is a lifelong project. And that you are faithful. And you will make the promise come true at the end. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about us, check out our website at www.silverlakebaptist.org.